0: The not available in all. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: you
2: Truly, I say to you, among those born of women there has not appeared a greater than John the Baptizer, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptizer until now, the kingdom of heaven is entered with burning zeal, and the passionate eagerly claim it for themselves— for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John and if you're willing to receive it he is Elijah the one being about to come the one having ears to hear he must pay attention but to what shall I compare this very generation it is similar to children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to their friends and saying We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge for you, and you did not mourn. For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came, eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a gluttonous man and a wine-drinker, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, and yet wisdom is vindicated by her children then he began to denounce the cities in which many of his miracles were done because they did not repent woe to you corazon woe to you bethesda for if the miracles were done in tyre and sidon they would have been that have been done among you they would have they would have repented they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, the one having been exalted to heaven, you will be brought down to Hades, for if the miracles were done in Sodom, the one having been done among you, they would have remained until this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. You only know, consider these passages of scripture out of Matthew, the eleventh chapter, and they represent what I, as a pastor, have struggled with in washington d c now for over forty years. I played the flute, and you didn't dance. I sang a dirge, and you didn't mourn. In other words, you won't enter in. He said about John the Baptist and the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is entered with burning zeal. Burning zeal. An eager disposition on the part of one seeking to enter the kingdom of God with the right attitude. Now here's the issue that I've struggled with and let me just try to lay it out very kindly but very clearly. The problem I've struggled with is it seems that I have constantly had to proclaim the gospel of Jesus to a people who read the scriptures who even go to church, but have no burning zeal to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, it is not so everywhere in the world. Had I preached in China the way I have preached to you, thousands upon thousands would have been converted and would have been transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Had I preached in the same manner in other parts of the world, there would have been a great harvest of souls. But in America, there's a yawn. And the expectation is that I should continue Preaching and teaching, without disturbing you greatly. Enlarging your understanding, giving you nuggets of truth from the Word of God, inspiring you. So that you would say, Pastor Ray is a great radio pastor. He he preaches the truth. Well, you know what? I'm not interested in those kind words. I'm interested in you acting on the word that is being spoken and entering with burning zeal into the kingdom of God. Now let me be very, very straight with you. California is burning. This is not accidental. The fires are very much a judgment from God against the wicked place of California a place that has been at the very forefront of every wicked thing that has taken place in America Hollywood and all of its wickedness homosexuality and all of its wickedness in every area of corruption and wickedness California has led the way and as California goes so goes the nation California's burning. America is going to burn. As goes California, goes the nation. God's judgment has already begun to be poured out in great power upon the wickedness of Bel Air, of L.A., of other parts of California. California. Now, you may say, Pastor, that's not the judgment of God. That's just natural. No, it's not. Open your eyes. See in the spirit realm. God is bringing judgment upon California. Nay, God is bringing judgment upon America. Now, you can choose, if you please, to continue in your lackadaisical way not with burning zeal, entering in and searching after Jesus with all of your heart and walking without sin. You can continue to walk as Capernaum did. And Jesus said it would not be lifted up. It would be cast down to Hades. America can continue the walk it is currently on of lackadaisical, casual, Earnest to pursue wickedness, eager to have a lifestyle of the rich and the famous, sacrificing all of our time and energy and money to pursue a lifestyle, and if this continues, America will burn even as California is burning. Drought will hit America even harder than it has. Already that drought is being seen and being reported in the mainstream news. We are going to see the price of avocados and of other food things skyrocketing because of the judgment that's taken place in California. Now please, I'm not trying to be an alarmist, but I am saying to you, that I have preached and proclaimed for many years the straight word of God over this nation's capital. I will continue doing that as long as Jesus provides this platform to come and speak a straight word of God to you. But understand, if you do not enter in with burning zeal, if you do not stir yourself to go beyond the wickedness of your sin, God's judgment will fall upon you and your family, even as it is falling now in fire upon the entire state of California. It is the judgment of God. Now, here's the issue. Over and over I speak with many whom I love, and they report to me they do not have victory over their sin. They keep being drawn back to the same old, same old. They fall back in their walk with Jesus. They continue needing to be told, Leave your sin. They're full of condemnation for themselves. Some of you are in the, as we've been speaking this week, the whack-a-mole stage of life where you think you can put down one sin and then another sin and then another sin and they all pop back up. That's a true sign that you have not ever really been converted. When you're converted... You leave your life of sin. It is over. It does not continue. Now, I want to show you this in the scriptures. Because, let me tell you what my motivation is. Besides my burning zeal and love for Jesus and for you. It is that you should become free in Jesus free of wickedness and darkness, discouragement and sin, that you should be set free by the gospel of the blood shed on Calvary, that you should be set free by Jesus, and that then your life, your resources, your time, should be used for the building of the kingdom of God and saving as many others as is possible. Does that sound strange to you? Well, let's go to the Scriptures. In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul deals with men and women who have, of the Jewish faith, been used to living under the law. The ceremonial law, the laws of diet, clean and unclean meats, all of the celebrations from Hanukkah to Yom Kippur, serving the Passover meal, being circumcised, they have gone back under the law. And the Apostle Paul is appalled. And he is adamant in the book of Galatians that the gospel of Jesus sets a man free free from the law. That the law is then written in the heart as the new covenant teaches. But, but now listen, he's going to steer away from just the issue of Jewish people and the law and he's going to deal with all who would come and follow Jesus. This is Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 1, For it is for freedom... That Christ has set us free stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery now verse 13 he broadens it out for all Christians you my brothers were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature rather Serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now let me take you to a literal translation of the Scriptures, Dr. Lavender's literal translation, word-for-word translation. And I want to read this for you. Galatians, the fifth chapter, I begin with verse 13. For you were called to freedom. Do not use your freedom as an occasion for the flesh, but you must serve one another through love. So, What is it going to look like when Christians stop sinning, when they stop the compromise with darkness? The first sign of that freedom is going to be serving one another in love. Not in anger, not in judgment, but in love. Listen. For the entire law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you act spitefully toward one another and cause division, you must take heed lest you may be destroyed by one another. I have seen and experienced whole churches that have been divided and have been destroyed by people in the church Lying about one another, acting spitefully toward one another, toward people causing division in the body of Christ because they're not getting their way. And the whole church has been destroyed. I've even seen churches close because of the way those who call themselves Christians are acting. Judgments. Lies are spoken and they're believed. All of this comes because there is not a burning zeal in their hearts for the kingdom of God. Instead, there is self-righteous judgments passed one on another and the result is destruction. Now he says in verse 16 I say to you You must walk in the Spirit, and you absolutely cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh, i.e., fallen nature. Now, the flesh lusts after the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Indeed, these things oppose each other so that you may not do these things that you may desire. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now, please hear me. He's saying that in the body of Christ, when people do not come fully into the freedom of the gospel, they begin to do things and say things that destroy other people, even destroying the church. And it's a sign that they have not been truly converted. It is a sign that they are still walking in the old sinful nature that they were filled with before they came to Jesus. This is the picture of the modern church in America. It has become an unsafe social place for entertainment rather than a place of the Holy Spirit where love is poured out one for another. And self-sacrifice is the name of the game. Now, I want to take you quickly to the book of Romans. In the sixth chapter, he's going to address this very thing. And what I'm going to share with you will probably be shocking to you. And so for that reason, I'm going to read it for you out of the NIV because you probably do not have a copy of this literal translation from Dr. Lavender. But I'll read it to you out of the NIV. You can read the same thing in the King James Version. Let me read it. It is Romans 6, verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with. That is that the body of sin could be destroyed. Now, in the NIV, there is a note that says, or be rendered powerless. But the Greek word that is used here is never translated rendered powerless. It is always rendered destroyed. So, literally, Paul is saying, We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be utterly destroyed, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. If you have not been freed from sin, Paul is saying you have not yet been crucified with Jesus Christ. You have accepted a gospel but you have not accepted it with burning zeal. You have not gone after it in all seriousness and taken it to its logical conclusion, which is to be totally set free in freedom. Now please, let me just testify before you. I have been crucified with Christ, and I can say with Paul, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I do not walk in the old ways of the sinful flesh. I do not go to pornography. I do not go to bitterness and rage and anger. I do not lie or cheat or steal. I do not walk in the ways of this world. I have no interest in them. I don't watch the wicked NFL and its violence For my heart has turned against it. I Don't want anything to do with the violence of our culture and the wickedness of our culture I Have utterly cast it out of my life Now I use all of my time and energy in the reading of the scriptures in prayer and in reaching out to others, so as to turn your hearts from the wickedness of this world and bring you into complete and total freedom in Jesus. If you say to me today, Pastor, I am not in that freedom that you're describing, it is simply because you have not with burning zeal gone after Jesus and died, been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I would say, you are not a Christian. You're spray painted with religion on the outside. But if you're still walking in the ways of this world, and I can hear some of you say, "But, oh, 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 oh Pastor, Pastor, wait a minute, I'm doing the best I can do, I'm trying." Trying does not count doing the best you can do will not keep you out of hell there is only one way for you to not go to hell and that is with burning zeal recognize that you have offended the holy God of heaven do you think that every Christian in the world is like you are you kidding me Are you so Americanized that you don't recognize that the kingdom of God is advancing rapidly in China, North Korea, Saudi Arabia, Vietnam, Indonesia? Do you not recognize that the kingdom of God is moving forward and people are laying their lives down? They are losing their wives and their children. Women are being raped because they will not submit to Islam. Are you blind to the fact that around the world Christians are dying for Jesus? While you continue to play with your little favorite sins and you continue to sit down in front of the television and feast on the darkness that flows out of Hollywood and flows out of the NFL and every other professional sports organization, are you so blind that you think the whole world is like you? Oh, my brother, my sister, I don't mean to be offending you today. But if you don't with zeal pursue the kingdom of God, and if you are not crucified with Christ, if you have not died with him, you will not live with him. We've come to a point of radical decision regarding the gospel in America. It is time for revival. It is time to turn our hearts away from this lukewarm, halfway position. I mean, do you recognize what Jesus says about the American church in the book of Revelation at the end time when he speaks to the seven churches? He says, I know your deeds, you have a reputation of being alive. The church in America has a reputation around the world of being alive. We've sent a lot of money and missionaries. But Jesus says, you're dead. I just read a news article about a church, a young couple. They took over this, this congregation as pastor, pastor's wife. About 300 members in the church a very serious church, but not growing rapidly. And they decided to totally transform that church for the millennials. And so what did they do? Well, they began by saying, we don't want you to wear a suit anymore to church. We don't want you to dress up to come to church. We want you to come to church in jeans and and Levi's. We want you to show up in church with shorts and flip-flops we want you just to come like you are. And then we're going to have, not a choir, we're going to have a, a worship team. We're going to have a band. We're going to change the music. And we're going to have the strobe lights. And we're going to have a whole different style. Because that's why the millennials are not coming, because we're not fitting their style. And now instead of a serious biblical sermon, we're going to do a a pleasant topical sermon that will appeal to the felt needs of the millennials. Well, guess what? They're now, they lost, of that 300, they dropped down to about 85 people as people fled from the church. And then they started to grow. And today, every Sunday, they're running over 1,000 people in that church. But is it a church Well, no, it's not. It's an entertainment center. You can't tell the difference between the music there and the dance hall down the street. You can't tell the difference between the music there and the music that they play in one of the clubs. They're paying big bucks for top people to come in to do their music. Now, when I was a kid, I used to always hear, come to church as you are. And Jesus will change you and clean you up. I used to hear the mission stories where missionaries would go into a village and they had pigs running around into their house and they had pigs living under their house and they had the chickens running in and, and they weren't wearing clothing. And And the story of the mission was always how people got cleaned up. They threw the pigs out. They threw the chickens out of the house. They started wearing clothing, covering their nakedness. They met Jesus. Their whole life changed. Well, come as you are does not mean come like a pagan and remain a pagan. Come like you are means come, and Jesus will meet you, and you will be transformed into a disciple, and the wickedness will be taken out of your life. Now, my saying a pair of jeans is wicked. No, I'm not. Hear what I'm saying. If all you own is a pair of jeans, make sure they're clean, okay? I can't go to church in a pair of jeans. Why? Because I respect God. But you see, in the modern church today, it's all human-centered, and because the gospel begins with felt needs with the human being, it has no concept of a holy and righteous God that has been deeply offended by our wickedness to whom we must go and beg for repentance and for forgiveness and for a changed life. So it's very popular today. Show up however you are. And when I go to a church and I see that everyone's showing up and shorts and jeans and flip-flops, I know what we have. We have a church that's centered in humanism, not in the cross of Jesus Christ. We have a gospel that is about felt needs, not about the need of God for a holy people who will sell out and stand against the wickedness of the world and sacrifice their lives for Jesus Now, let me read this for you. Romans 6th chapter, verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly, that is, with zeal, obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. That's the NIV translation. You have been set free from sin. I put this in human terms, he says, because you are weak in your natural selves, Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity, to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to god the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord now there's no room in this word from the sixth chapter of romans for any man to even begin to suggest that you can continue to walk in your wickedness in your worldly ways in your casualness before god with your man-centered gospel and expect that the wages of sin have been changed and that you will not die the gift of God is eternal life but the cost of that eternal life is to enter with burning zeal the kingdom of God by being crucified with Jesus. Now I don't know how to put this any more plainly. So I'm going to simply share some of my frustration. The sorrow of and the grieving of my heart, and that is that countless numbers of people who call themselves Christians do not want to leave behind the ways of the world. That countless numbers want to believe the lie that you can be like the world, and that the wages of sin have been changed, and that somehow Jesus is not going to judge you, and that you are going to enter into eternal life as a wonderful American filled with the darkness of the world. But if you broaden your eyes, you broaden the scope of your understanding to the other nations of the earth, you will see a different kind of Christian. One man said to me, who had just returned from China, where he had been visiting the underground church, the unrecognized church, where thousands were gathering across China. He said, Pastor, the American church has more in common with Buddhism and Hinduism than it has in common with the Christians of China. I was shocked. I said, what do you mean? He said, the Christians that I met in China not only are willing to, but are dying, going to prison and being beaten and losing their families for Jesus Christ. Well, the Christians of America won't even come out to a prayer meeting because it's not convenient and it's on the night When they have their football game, they don't want to miss Monday night football. They want to go to their idol. They don't want to hear the preaching of the Word of God, and they don't want to go to a prayer meeting. They want to show up maybe once or twice, maybe even three times a month in a place called church, get their fix, hear that they're okay, hear that God loves them unconditionally. And then they want to go about their worldly life. And so church is a business in America, he said, but in China, church is not a business. It's life and death. It's about Jesus. So I have to ask you, please, Are you willing to die for Jesus? Are you willing with zeal to enter into the kingdom of God? Are you willing to lay your life down, your money down, all of your plans all of your holiday plans? Are you willing to lay them down for the cross of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to allow the zeal of God to enter you, to cause you to spend countless hours reading the scriptures and praying and fasting and seeking the face of Jesus until you have every sin broken in your life and you have been set free and you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit? Sometimes, when I see the small numbers of people who are willing to lay their life down, my heart grows very discouraged, and I say, Jesus, I want to quit. And then as I go into the prayer closet, he confronts me and says, what are you talking about? This is not a, a voluntary okay you're here for a while and then when you get tired you're gone no this is a life commitment ray you're in this until you die you made a covenant pledge with me to stand for the straight honest word of the living god now will you keep your covenant yes lord yes lord i will and it's out of that prayer closet that I come to you today with a heart full of compassion for you and yet a heart full of grave concern that many of you have been fooled and you've constantly been going back and forth, back and forth. When will you finally come through for Jesus Christ? Not out of self-interest, but out of a recognition of the holiness of God. A recognition that you have angered the King of kings and the Lord of lords by your stubborn refusal to die and give up the things of this world and the pleasures of this world. When will you give that up and say, Okay, Jesus, I give. I am going to follow you. See, this is not some sentimental, softy kind of deal. This is laying your life down for Jesus. He goes on, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Debauchery is even something good taken to an extreme so that it consumes your life. It also includes the wicked clubs. It includes those wicked places where you go for dining and dancing. And many of you who are single... Go on dates to these clubs, even going to these clubs to look for your mate. I tell you who you'll find there. You'll find sleazy people. Only sleazy people go to clubs and lounges. If you go to clubs and lounges, you're a sleazy person. Well, what is a sleazy person? A sinner? someone who wants the world, who wants the dance of the wicked. I don't care if you call yourself a Christian. If you go to worldly concerts, you're a sleazy person. If you fill your heart with the entertainment of this world, you are a wicked person. You are in debauchery. And he says, idolatry. Witchcraft. Hatred. Discord. I just spoke with a a pastor. And he had a man come very angry with him. And then he left the church. I'm praying that that man will repent. Because discord... Fits of rage, dissensions, these are sins against Almighty God. Jealousy, fits of rage.
3: Cow. Yeah.
0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia, with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Today's sermon is pre-recorded.
2: In Matthew, the 25th chapter, we find the story of the ten virgins, five wise and five foolish. In that day, at the evening star's coming, the bridegroom would make his way to the bride's house. And just prior to his arrival at the bride's house would be the bridesmaids with lamps waiting to escort him to the bride's house where he would take some refreshment. The bride would say goodbye to her parents. And then he in procession with the bridesmaids would make their way back to his father's house where there would be an incredible party that would last for seven or more days. Usually, in that culture, in that day, the bridesmaids were numbered ten. They believed that it took ten witnesses. And so we see this wedding party playing out before us. How many times have you seen a wedding party go by? They're honking the horns, the tin cans are dragging behind, right? The car's been all smeared up. I know, I've helped smear up a lot of cars, haven't you? And off they go, and and we honk our horns as they go by, and we wave at them, and we're all happy because there's a wedding happening. And then we go on about our business. (laughs) Not my wedding. No friend of mine's getting married. I'm not involved in this wedding. Tonight, theaters are full. Restaurants are full. They're totally unaware that the bridesmaids are even meeting. They could care. It doesn't matter to them. It has no relevance to their lives. They have many other things that they are interested in doing, and they're about doing them. So this story of the ten virgins is a description of how it's going to be in the kingdom of heaven at the end of time. There will be many people at the end of time who are going to the restaurant or going to the club or sitting home watching television. They will have no interest in being a bridesmaid. They have their own affairs and they're busy about it. And so the scripture tells us, even as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So many people, when Jesus comes, will be unconcerned about the fact that the Messiah, the King of all the universe, is going to show up and that judgment is going to happen. Because they don't think judgment will ever take place. I mean, I'm reading in the news accounts that say that America will soon be considered in the world a third world power. That poverty will become grinding in America. That people will go hungry in America. And I hear those things and a part of me says, who are you kidding? Things are going to go on like they've always gone on. America is not going to crash with its finances. This is just another one of those tough times. We're going to make it through and everything's going to be okay. Because in our hearts, we believe that things are going to continue as they have always continued and that I have time to do whatever it is I want to do. And so FEMA right now is saying, put away a minimum of two weeks of food in your house Put away a minimum of two weeks of water in your house. This is the government agency, FEMA, saying this. Other government agencies are saying, put away 30 days of food and water in your house. And we're saying, what? I can barely put next week's food in the house. What do you mean, put 30 days' food away? I don't even have room in my cupboard to hold it. Why would I do that?